Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part one of my conversation with Rebecca Thomas, Director of the Pathways ePortfolio Program and Adjunct Assistant Professor of the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department at Bucknell University. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. My guest today is Rebecca Thomas, Director of the Pathway ePortfolio Program and Adjunct Assistant Professor of the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department at Bucknell University. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Jeff. Uh, so nice to have you here on Digication Scholars Conversations. You are um, amongst your colleague, uh, Joe Tran- Tranquillo, who was in our season two, episode 25. Um, we had a wonderful, wonderful conversation then, and um, I'm glad that you can join us now. And I know that actually there are a few other Bucknell colleagues of yours that we'll be talking to as well, because you're all just doing really incredible work. Uh, welcome. Thank you. So, um, Rebecca, you're um, the director of the Pathways ePortfolio program. Do you want to just right away talk about like what that means? What's Pathways? For those who might be listening, may have some idea, but not really 100% sure what, you, what, what that means. Yeah, so um, Pathways is Bucknell's e-portfolio, or university-wide ePortfolio initiative. Um, It's a fairly new program at Bucknell. We've just, it rolled out um, two years ago. So we have two years of the program. Um, Yeah, and so it it has a lot of goals for students to kind of take control of their own learning, to integrate all their great experiences that they have when they come to a school like Bucknell you know, and think holistically about their learning and who they are. Um, and we focus that mostly in the, in the development of the ePortfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say think holistic about, you know, themselves, um, I know that, I mean, of course, talk, having talked to Joe, and for people who haven't, haven't um, heard that, I highly recommend you listen to Joe's um, conversation as well, because he's a master of, uh, metacognition and reflect reflections, and he comes from this really interesting, diverse background. Um, and one of the things that I often want to talk to people about is a lot of people say holistic learning, develop as a whole, you know, human, and all of this stuff, right? So, in your in your vision of this, as the director of this, and your vision, what does that really mean when a student? You know, like practically, if I'm a if I'm a parent sending a student to Bucknell now, you're telling your your student your your child is going to be holistically learning about themselves, right, and being developed in that way. What does that really mean in practical terms? Right. So, I mean, I mentioned like Bucknell students are are very involved. They do a lot of things around campus, right? Going to classes is just one of them. Um, so. So part of the holistic experience right, is that they're involved in lots of different organizations, right? 
uh, it's a very residential campus, so most of our students live together and um, uh, work together outside of class, so they have all these experiences to bring in. Um, also, personally, I come from the STEM background where a lot of times, um, right, the technical part is really focused on and right there's this even though we know like technology has has human aspects right we we tend to think we can separate those and ignore the human part and really we can't so you know coming from stem i think not ignoring the human part also not ignoring like the humanities is really important because um Right, where you know we're all trying to solve these bigger, more complex, relevant to society problems, and we need a bigger lens, a bigger view to do that. So, so we need to think about lots of aspects of the problem, not only the technical, but the human side and how it overlaps with all you know other aspects: the social, the political, the economic to come up with real plausible solutions to to these problems that we're facing. I think that's that's really that's really awesome and really great to see, you know. Like I think that it's been it's no secret to many people that if you're going into the STEM field, you yourself are in the engineering and and computer um, electrical and computer um, you know engineering department um a lot of folks have this view that in a stem field you do everything is very black and white is very right or wrong you have the answer you don't have the answer um, i wish it was like that it would be right? a lot <laughs> so that's that's wrong right that's the wrong way to look at it so i think that's actually a really um interesting that's a really interesting thing that you're saying because I've had so many colleagues. Of course, I know a lot of my work is involved around portfolio. Many of my, the schools that we have worked with, um, I've known these folks for a long time, and they, many of them have this um, idea that it's much easier to do e-portfolio because it's touchy-feely. It's, you know, talking about reflection and and that you can do it easier in the arts, in the humanities, um, but not in STEM. They think that STEM, you know, oh, of course, we're not going to be doing STEM programs. That's harder. That's not the low-hanging fruit. What do you say to that? Because I don't think that that's justified. Do you? No, I mean, and I think... You know, naturally, like some of the historical ways that e-portfolios have been used and kind of where they started was more for the professional programs, um, right? So like nursing and education are um, big fields for e-portfolios, right? And engineering in some sense of a, of what we do is a very professional um professional degree, professional path, right? We are mm -hmm. educating the students that we, um, 
that we have to to be engineers, right? That's there's a, a wide variety of engineers you can be, and we're actually trying to push on and expand that with with what I'm doing in my department and what we believe ePortfolios can do for STEM majors, mm-hmm. right? But I think you have that traditional view. So it's interesting at Bucknell, it's, you know, engineers are actually leading the way with our ePortfolio initiative, mm-hmm. um, you know, particularly my department and electrical and computer engineering has already tried it in, I think, six different courses. Uh, we're looking to create a new course that we want students to actually enroll in every single semester. It'll be a a small portion, right? So it adds up to a whole course over their eight semesters. Um, But we want students to do this so that they can think about and and narrate and document their experience the whole way through their curriculum and, you know, bring in the other parts of you know, it won't be it won't be a very technical course. So, so the the things they're pulling, the experiences they're thinking about in their U portfolio should come, you know, from a wide range of of what they're doing, you know, as as different parts of their education. Yeah, I I really think that it it's potentially more important than what people are even thinking about, because I think that engineers today. And I, I know in the field of, for example, in computer engineering and especially in the sort of subfield of the artificial intelligence, um, this very idea of understanding societal issues, understanding ethics, understanding values, and how to, how to think empathetically Right? How to how to um, implement respect in society? Right? These are kind of things that an engineer could have tremendous power. They can wield. They can the the things that they the decisions that they make, the approach that they take into solving a problem, could have lots of unintended consequences down the road if they are not careful and carefully thinking through these implications. Don't you? Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely, uh, you know, engineers can have a lot of impact. Right? We, they often have a lot of power, um, right? But some engineers... And some engineering students don't want to think about those larger aspects. They want to, mm. or well, and sometimes that's the training is like you you do what you're told and you don't. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So there's that. that. Yeah. Right. So there's that, that. You know that that wanting things to be black and white. Right. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. Yep. your client tells you to do this if your consultant or your boss tells you to do this and and you deliver. Right. You don't ask why you know mm-hmm. you don't think about the broader implications sometimes right um and i think that in so, in many ways um you know I, I i hear this a lot by the way i used to be um the school that i used to teach at is an art and design school at rhode island school of design and 
and I used to hear this a little bit. This is quite interesting, I think. Um, like we have a film department, and a lot of the people that make films from that department would make films that they don't look like um, you know what you see in the movies because they are very abstract. Sometimes they are like, "What is this like crazy idea?" You know, technically they are not perfect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I remember talking to someone and going, so do they do they do they come out of the school having the skills to go in and make films? And they go and sometimes people go, well, sometimes yes, sometimes no. They really need to still then learn in industry and like learn the ropes. But what you will find is that there are also some film schools that are highly technical. You know, by the time they graduate, they they just know how to shoot a, a film um, technically. But they haven't explored in how to tell the story. They haven't explored on some of the more abstract, higher level sort of thinking. So if you then fast forward 10 years, the people that came out having all of the technical skills are still doing the same job that requires all of the technical skills. Actually, our students are the ones that, in some ways, because they don't have those technical skills, they kind of have to sort of you know, go in the path of, we're just going to make the movie. We're going to have to hire people to have the technical skills. And they ended up leading. They ended up becoming the directors of the movies and the creators of the shows. Um, isn't that kind of interesting? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think in engineering, though, like we, we definitely can't ignore those technical skills. We definitely need to equip our students to have those. But, right, we can teach those and so let's think about the context right and and think about integrating them and transferring them more um right sometimes in engineering we get so focused on everything has to be technical and they need to go so deep in the technical yet right the field advances so quickly and and the variety of things that students go out to do is is so wide that they're going to have to learn some of that technical aspects on the job. So, right. So a lot of what we're doing right, is, is giving them the skills to, to be able to learn mm-hmm. those aspects. Um, yeah. But we do see kind of the same thing with, you know, engineers that have these broader skills, right. They're going to be the ones that move up and they're going to be the ones who are, um, kind of supervisors or project managers, right? they're not going to mm-hmm. stay in those technical jobs mm-hmm. right. usually. And do you see in your experience difference between this current generation of students that are from your program because they are being exposed to these, you know, like uh, the humanities and the purposes of, you know, in, in the society and, and, and so on. Do you see a difference between them and, I don't know, students who haven't been exposed to that, including perhaps, I'm, I'm perhaps making assumptions here, uh, but, you know, maybe your own personal experience or, you know, students that you've seen in your own education experiences, maybe classmates when you were a student who may not have been exposed to those things. Do you see a difference between them? Um, yeah, I think the, mostly in kind of what, what we've talked about in their, in their kind of longer term path. 
Right. Um, and I would like to see it kind of earlier on, right? But a lot of people still graduate wanting to go to those big programs, wanting to be at the Google and the Microsoft and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and not not thinking, I'd love to see students think even more broadly about, all right, I have an engineering degree. What what good can I do with it? Or what, you know, what can I do with it too that really interests me and is something that I care about? Right. Right. It could be anything from, you know, creating justice in, in society to solving a impossible problem such as, you know, clean water or, or, um, or, 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 or curing, you know, a, a deadly disease um, or figuring out how to apply those skills that you have to mental health and, and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so in other words, almost like opening up the, the possibility. So you, it's not, yes, if, you get an in, if you're an engineer, if you're qualified, you know, those jobs at Google and Microsoft sounds pretty Lucrative, prestigious and sort of cushy, you know, (laughs) like that that would be it. Like that that's when my parents, you know, would be happy. I think that that's what my parents would have wanted me to do when I was when I was coming up. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it. (laughs) It was a disappointment to them (laughs) in that regard. Um what was your what was your story like? Um I mean, you also studied, you know, engineering and how did you end up at Bucknell? Yeah. So, you know, I think early I went in being an engineer who wanted to make the world a better place, right? Make, make things better for people. And right, I spent four years in undergrad and kind of graduated and didn't know how to make that happen and no <laughs> idea where to go from there. Um, So let me pause for a minute there, okay? Because I think this is really interesting. Like, really is. So you got a four-year undergraduate degree at that point. Is it right to say that you probably at least feel feel like you've gained some skills? You got the technical skills? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you you knew how to solve a problem if someone said, here's a problem, go solve it. In yeah. your, you know, in your area of study, but you still feel like that. I don't. And I know knew how to get a job that would pay the bills. Ah, but right. I didn't know how to mm. do something that would really be fulfilling. Yeah, and, and that's, by the way, a huge part of this generation. Yeah. I think that I think you're a bit younger than me, but when I was growing up, you know, like fulfillment was a a very luxurious thing to have. Like you don't get to have that and pay the bills at the same time. You know, you just kind of, you know, get a job and you'll get fulfilled in other ways. <laughs> you know, <laughs> once, once you make money, you know, you, you'll get fulfilled. Um, but it's not true. It's not true. In fact, um, many people have made lots of money and i know a lot of them in silicon valley they they actually in fact made this proportionate amount of money money amount of money that they didn't know what to do with and still feel an incredible sense of emptiness and a sense of depression some of them in fact they felt like that now that i've reached the end i'm supposed to see the rainbow and the rainbow is nowhere to be found <laughs> you know 
But yeah, I decided though, since I didn't know professionally how to how to change <laughs> things, that I would educate future engineers that mm. hopefully could then have more opportunities to to change things. Right. And being an educator is a nice place to like continually be able to do that to influence the you know, the next up and coming engineers over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's it's 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 amazing because I think that this is exactly the kind of um, both the modeling but the thought process that allows you to direct a program that has that inherently you know built into 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 the concepts of how you structure things. Even just the one that you just talked about, which is this idea of a cross that's going to span across eight semesters. They're going to do a little work every semester, but yeah. it's always going to remind them. Hey, where's your true north? Where's your yeah. where? What is gonna keep driving you as you gain more and more skills? Right now, you know how to create something in a database. Now you're creating some code. Now you can do this logic that you couldn't do before. Now you're doing, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, etc. But where's your true north? And are you still pointing in that direction? I think that's amazing. Yeah. But I mean, and there are a lot of students too, like first generation students. I was a first gen, right? So I came in not not knowing where my north was, yes. not knowing where to go. <laughs> right, so right. I think it is a balance, though, of of you know, guiding the students who who need help finding it. But yeah, but yeah, also kind of continually doing that because you change a lot in your four years that you yeah. are in university. So, right, thinking about. What it is that you want to do? How how is that changed? Is it changing? It, or are you still focused on? Mm -hmm. I guess I was still focused on my goal to to make the world better. <laughs> yeah, just but in ways that you didn't think was even a possible path when you first started. And I I will share that I'm also a first gen college attendee in my yeah. family, and um, I would say that. Um, even forget, I don't know where the true true north is. I didn't even know you were supposed to have a north. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's it's maybe the the only north for for me conceptually would have just been to survive. You know, just be like be be able to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. That was that was about get it. Get a degree, get a job. Yeah, just a little bit of. Yeah, degree, job, um, and then you can figure it out. Yes. <laughs> I think that's too late. I think that it feels too late, don't you? Yeah. Well, well I, at least I not very efficient. Right? Out, you know, yeah. you're missing out on a lot of yeah. what education can provide if you're very focused yeah. on that. But. And I think that this is actually a really good... Um, a place for me to talk about sort of just education in general, because um, I have spoken with a lot of folks in this very, you know, education com um, scholars conversations, right. And from different fields and whatnot. And they would oftentimes have to defend, you know, folks are in liberal arts, folks that are in the arts, you know, especially they have to defend that, you know, this is a viable path because you're learning to be a better human. Um, oftentimes, 
comparing to if you're an engineer, because like you said, there is this sort of pre-established path that is pretty cushy. It's uh, well, I don't. It's never easy, by the way. But it seems easier. It seems more laid out for you. Like the path is there. You can follow the steps, and if you're if you're pretty decent, you can do it. You can do it just like someone else had done, and just kind of that's it, right? And then you could be in this, you know, position of a multiple six-figure job with. You know, lunch and dinner covered, and and dry cleaning also done. You know, for you, etc. It's kind of like it sounds amazing, you know. Um, and uh, but but I think that, um, like what you were saying, to find that fulfillment, that may not be it, and that actually, regardless of which field you are going into. That fulfillment, you still need to work at it and search for it, and then, and then exercise somehow to get there, right? Yeah. And that's not different for an engineer versus,、um, you know, a dance major, don't you think? Yeah, but I think it's, it's probably easier as an engineer to, to not realize that part's important. Right, because the other path is so it's it's there. It's、mm-hmm. it's like that. In fact, that's the there、uh, I say you know more than norm, societal norm, if if anything, you know,、um, and because it's it's、uh, it's both elusive, but you know, because it's there, you can sort of just catch it. But it's also very seductive because it's like I want that. You know, like if you are a student, you're like that. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> having a lot of money, having a lot of resources,、um, people taking vacations all the time. You know, what's not like kind of situation, right? Yeah, and having you know having the stability, which I think is a is a big benefit of engineering. It does give you the stability to do things. To do the other things you want with the money that you have, and、mm-hmm. hopefully the time that you have, you know, when you're when you're not doing that, but when you're not working, but、right. um, but yeah, I still think if you're, I still think you can you can miss out on a lot. Yeah, and yeah. I think one other things that one other thing that um a lot of people have um. Probably the the sort the wrong view of what the STEM field and engineers especially you know do, and and perhaps even engineers themselves, is that, you know, many people think of engineers are the experts at problem solvers, you know, you have a problem, we'll engineer our way out of it,、um, we'll engineer a solution, but I think that. Sort of true to how you were talking about, you know, if they're exposed to, you know, societal issues, if they're exposed to what's the most important things in the world today,、um, be it climate change or you know, super intelligence, you know, AI, you know, and possible future pandemics that is even more deadly than COVID, right? All of these areas, actually. Perhaps less so than a, being a great problem solver. You have to be a great sort of identifier of problems. 
that's and that's a hugely under sort of represented part of engineering. I feel um, even like I said, even to engineers themselves, because many students yeah. are like, I've been trained for twelve years before coming to Bucknell, you know, in high school and whatnot to solve problems. I'm really good at it. Right. If they come to a school like Bucknell, they're probably pretty good at whatever they were doing already, right? Yeah. And so I'm really good at doing that. I'm just great at solving problems. But 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 the engineers feels to me is very incomplete, and that's why you don't get that fulfillment if you are also not able to to be the one who instigate the problems. Yeah, and that's a big part of what we do in our design thread and and our department. Um, especially senior design, right? And students get a senior design problem. They, they just want to start making the solution right away, right? They've got an idea maybe within five minutes, how they're going to solve it. And they want to start building it. Um, but we make them take almost our senior design as a year long course. They take it both semesters. So we make them spend almost the entire first semester actually going out and figuring out more about what the problem is right we they have to interview people and talk to people and really define the problem and and figure out you know, what's all involved before they're allowed to mm, you know, propose yeah. a solution and start working on it yeah um seems like uh you know what's interesting is that there's something about and I don't know whether I'm, you know, be being overly generalizing here, but um, I think there's almost something about sort of a, uh, a almost a lot of typical gender um, differences as well. Um, a lot of men loves to go into, you know, if they hear a problem, they want to just go and to the solution, right? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, may not be, it, uh, may not be like, looking for a solution yet. <laughs> That and a lot of thing we covered in like counseling before we got married is men typically want to like solve your problem. Yeah. Husbands do. The wives like typically want to be heard and talk about the problem. <laughs> right. But, we have to have, I mean, it's a engineering, especially in a lot of the STEM field is heavily still today dominated by sort of a, you know, by male participants, but, but to me, it's not just yeah. the participants. It's also the ideas. It's the approach that are very masculine, um, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a bad way. In a, in a way that doesn't balance like what you just said, which is, hey, look, we got to spend almost, if not the same amount of time on asking the questions before you just go into the solution. You know, part of this, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the, the big keys to to addressing these problems are to get closer to equity within the field, right? Have have more women representation and and there are lots of other underrepresented groups, not just women, yeah, but right. Um is have have more diversity and have you seen that in Bucknell? Um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a big push here mm -hmm. and some departments do better than others. Uh, 
you know, I think it's it's just based on kind of wh- where the where the field is. Um, but yeah, I think though, you know, we have come a long way in a hundred years. Bucknell graduated its first female engineer a um, hundred years ago. Like in May, we celebrated that. Uh-huh. So, so that that that's awesome. And you know, there are a lot more women here than there were. But also, it's been a hundred years, and like we haven't made as much progress as we should have. Mm. Right? Yeah. There's, we're still maybe ten, twenty percent in some departments. Um, right. So. Uh, you know, I think we need to to think about the framework that we're working in and, uh, you know, the stories that we tell in the portfolios. I, I think it's a good way to to widen this view of what is what is an engineer, right? We, it, it does have this fairly narrow, typical identity that we define to it. Um, and if but if we can think more broadly about who can be an engineer and what they might do, what they're interested in, right, that they should think about the problem and think about the human aspects. Um, yeah, I think those kind of big changes need to be happening along with the, mm-hmm. the recruitment and the, 